All right, uh, grab your Bibles, Hebrews chapter 11 this morning. Like I already alluded to, Hebrews chapter 11, we are taking our time walking through uh, Hebrews 11. If you're new with us, this is what we do here at the Parks Church. We preach through books of the Bible, and uh, we do that for a couple reasons, but, but, but one of the reasons is this, is that it helps us understand um, God's Word more deeply. It helps us understand how to actually study our Bibles. And, uh, and so we have been faithfully walking through Hebrews for, for several months now, and we're here in the, the last three chapters. And so we're going to be um, in verses 8 through 16. thought I was going to be able to get through 19, but we're, we're going to stop at verse 16 um, today. And so if you don't have your copy of God's Word, it'll be on the screen behind me. But if you would, I know you just sat down, but stand back up for the reading of God's Word. And it says this, Hebrews 11, verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants, as many as the stars of heaven, as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. This is the word of the Lord. All right, well, again... As it will be for several weeks coming up, the topic is faith. That is what Hebrews 11 is all about. And I don't want us to get confused thinking that Hebrews 11 majors on, um, uh, as, as great as they are, uh, Abel, Enoch, Moses, Abraham, uh, Sarah. Again, all these people that are laid out in he- Hebrews 11 are pillars, they're the fathers, right? And, and, and they're, they're, they're women who exemplify faith in God. But as every text in the Bible is about, it doesn't major on the people that it talks about. It majors on God. And so make no mistake about it, what Hebrews 11 is about is about God. It's about Christ's fulfillment, right? Christ being God's faithful promise to send a Messiah. And so each of these people listed in Hebrews 11 exemplify, they, they are a picture, they're a pointer, they're a signpost to God's faithfulness in Christ, right? They, they, they are these indicators of how good God is. That's what Hebrews 11 is all about. And this morning, we're going to be talking about Abraham quite a bit and, and Sarah as well. And early on in Hebrews, if you remember, the whole premise of if Hebrews is showing how Jesus is greater. Jesus is better, right? And so it even went through the, the fathers, right? Moses and, and Abraham. Listen, when you think of, of the Jewish faith, when you think of the Old Testament in our Bibles, Abraham is a central figure, and rightfully so. 
Abraham, I would argue, his faith is celebrated in our whole Bible, and particularly even in the Old Testament, more than any other person in the Bible. I mean, you have the, the greatest letter ever written, Romans, Romans chapter 4. If you read that whole chapter, that is about Abraham's faith, right? That, that his faith, his belief in God was credited to him as righteousness. Abraham was absolutely a man of faith in God. If you want to look at Abraham's story in the book of Genesis, it goes from Genesis 12 all the way to Genesis 25. But Hebrews 11 does something very specific with Abraham. It pulls out certain things in his life, his, his incredible life of faith, that I want us to highlight and look through this morning. And so there'll, there'll be a, f- a few different things that, that we'll walk through. So if you're taking notes, the first one's going to be found in verse, verses 8 and 9. And it's this idea of Abraham's faith modeling obedience. Abraham's obedience is the first thing mentioned here as an example to us of what faith looks like. Look at it in verse 8. By faith, Abraham did what? Obeyed, right? Obeyed. Obedience and faith are inseparable. And I'm going to talk about more about that in a second. But, but what was Abraham obedient toward God in? Well, let, let's go to Genesis chapter 12 in the first three verses, right? And at this point, Abraham's name hasn't been changed, so his name is still Abram, hasn't been changed by God. And so let's look at this is what the Lord asks of Abraham. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and from your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and I'll make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you. I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Leave that up there. Like, did you hear a repeated word in there? Blessed, blessing, I will bless you, right? God's talking to Abraham. Like, there's some big promises there, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to flow through the earth with your descendants. And even in Hebrews 11, it says, like, it numbered, his descendants numbered the stars in the sky and the grains on, on the seashore. But there's something in verse 1 that God asks of him, right? Calls him to do what? Leave your country. And your kindred, right? Your family, Abraham, what you've known, right? And I think we totally read the Bible with our totally Western, totally modern mindset, right? So we leave that, like most of us in here left our homeland, right? Even if it was me, leaving the homeland of Missouri, right? You're like, some homeland, right? Some of you are like, I'm never leaving Texas, right? I get it, okay. Most of us have left our families. This kind of leaving was a total separation. It was a, there's no coming back. There's no FaceTime where you will see your family again. Abram, leave your security, leave your comfort, and go to a land. Go to a land, I'm promising you that I will bless you, I will keep you, Right? And we go, yeah, that's right. Yes. We hold on to those blessings. But imagine how scary that initial call would have been. In journeying back then, like taking the journey from where he was from, Ur, right, to where God was taking him, also put a big risk upon his life. It was threatening. 
It assaulted all of the things that maybe was, were reasonable, right? Scattered living for us, transient living for us was nothing. But may I remind you that the Bible is not written as a Western piece of literature. It's an Eastern piece of literature where family is everything. What a picture of faith. Following God's word. And look at what it says here at the end of 8, verse 8 and 9. It says, and he went out. So Abram, Abraham heard the call of God. Leave this land, leave your kindred. And it says that he went out not knowing where he was going. So God told him to leave. God told him to go. But he said, Abraham, I'm not going to give you the full picture yet. Isn't that how God works, though? I'm calling you to step out in obedience. I'm calling you to step out in faith. And I'm not going to give you the full picture, but I'm going to give you enough so that you can be sure that I'm with you, that I'm going before you. You see, I'm a, I'm a destination guy. I've shared this before, right? Like, if I know where, you know, like, on road trips or driving, like, I'm not a sightseeing kind of guy, right? Like, some of you are the type of people who will stop by every big ball of yarn in every city just to get a picture with it, right? I'm not that guy, right? If we're going to the beach, guess where I want to be? I want to be at the beach. And this causes, if I'm being honest, this causes angst in my spiritual life. Lord, I, I, where are we going? What are we doing? What is, what is the destination, right? And when I'm talking about destination, I'm talking about earthly destination, by the way. Like, where are you taking us? Where are you leading us? And God's going, do you trust me? You know I've called you, and here's what I've called you to. I've called you to trust me. I've called you to be faithful. I've called you out, yes, but I've called you to be faithful where you are. God, but where are you taking me? Abraham, going where he's told, even not knowing where he's going. I want to ask you this question. What does God have the right to ask of you and me? Abraham left everything to follow God. Does God have that right in your life? To ask whatever he wants? You see, apparently what we see here in Hebrews 11 over and over and over is this, that God has the right and often does ask us to do anything and everything for his glory. You see, what we see here in Hebrews 11 with, with Abraham in this first picture is that faith truly, when God is leading us, moves us. It pushes us. It pushes against us geographically. It pushes against us emotionally. It will push against us financially. It will push against, even as Sam prayed there, it'll push against our career and vocation. It'll push against our marriage and our views of parenting, our views of of sexuality, our bodies, your politics. It'll push against your schedules. You see, God gets to order the priorities of our lives. He's the one whose Abraham's life was submitted to. He was the one who demonstrated his faith by obeying God, going, God, you're the one in charge. I'll do whatever you say. And God goes, okay, here's what I'm going to say to you. Leave where you're comfortable. Leave your family and go where I'm calling you. Where are you calling you? I'll reveal it to you. 
You see, here's what Abraham was confident in. He was confident in God and his promises. I love what commentator Kent Hughes says about this. He says that Abraham believed God's word with a certainty so powerful that he regarded the future promise as virtually present. I love, like, what what would happen if we lived with that kind of faith, where we regarded the word of God to us, the future promises, as virtually present? Obedience and faith inseparably linked. And this makes sense, doesn't it? This makes sense in light of uh, chapters like James chapter 2. Right, that, that, that famous line in there, I believe it's verse 14, but the whole chapter is really about this, where it says that, that, that faith without works is, what is it? Yeah, dead. Not semi-alive, not barely breathing. No, it is dead. Now, let me clarify. What James is not saying is that we are saved by our works. No, we're saved by faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that his grace is what saves us alone. However, the evidence that we have true saving faith is this, that when God speaks, we obey. And that's what he says in James chapter 2, that faith without works is dead. Because faith without works, there is no sure evidence, there is no proof, there is no fruit of real saving faith. Abraham would have never obeyed call, God's call if he had not truly taken God at his word. Genesis chapter 12. I will bless you. I will bless you. I will be with you. This is the same thing we saw last week with Noah. Right? Noah, here's what I want you to do. I want you to begin to build and construct an ark. I'm going to flood the earth, right? I'm going to bring judgment. And Noah, by faith, constructed an ark. He took God at his word, despite what his eyes saw. What's interesting is is both in the Hebrew, so the Bible's written in two languages, Hebrew in the Old Testament, Greek uh, in, in the New Testament. And both of this, both of them convey this fact about Abraham when talking about him and God's call upon his life. You see these two languages, and I don't, I don't share those two things just to go, oh, yeah, Greek and Hebrew, here we go. No, I say them because they capture something that we miss in the English. Like when we read that, we can say, okay, God, uh, God called Abraham, Abraham obeyed, he went on. But what the Hebrew and Greek capture is this, is that they write this in such a way as if to say when God's voice was still ringing in Abraham's ear, he began to obey. That as God was still calling, going, going, Abraham, I want you to leave your land and go to a land that I'm promising to you. Like, as God is like mid-sentence there, Abraham's like, that's right, God, you said it, I'm going. Like, that's faith that obeys. How many of us, though, let's be honest, right, we're, we're in church. How many of us, though, when we, we come to the places in God's word, the Holy Spirit is moving on our heart. It's convicting us. God is calling us. Like ours is not while the voice of God is still ringing in our ear. It's like we need God to say it like four, five, six. Any parents in the house, right? Like it's like, no, go do this. No, go do Like I love Abraham because it's like, God, you said it. I'm going to do it. God, you spoke this. I'm, I, I'm going. And I know some of you are even here. You go, well, I, I just... I don't really hear God calling me toward anything. 
You'd be like, hey, if, if I did, I definitely wouldn't reject it. Oh, maybe I would still, maybe you would even go, oh, if I heard it while it was still ringing in my ears like Abraham, I would go do it. And I want to give us the benefit of the doubt here, even though maybe I shouldn't do this. I think maybe that, that would be true. Like, I don't, I don't think many of you in here who are disciples, who are followers of Jesus Christ, would actively disobey God. Like, if you heard God's voice, if you saw it, you read it, you're like, okay, yes. But many of us, what we're guilty of is passively ignoring God. Passively ignoring God. And what I mean by that is we never put ourselves before the Lord. Maybe on Sunday mornings, but throughout the week. We never posture and place ourselves before his word in such a way. Time in prayer where we're asking the Lord, Holy Spirit, would you speak to my heart? Our schedules, our lives, the things that we have insulated ourselves with so that we don't hear the voice of God, that is passively ignoring the voice of God. Some of you could argue that's actively ignoring the voice of God. But that's constructing our lives in such a way where we don't hear the voice of God. And so I want to ask you, are you putting yourself before the Lord to hear his voice? To hear his voice speak to you through his word. Through time and silence and solitude and those spiritual disciplines that the Lord builds in to speak to his people. Are you putting yourself before Christian community, with Christian community, where the Lord uses and speaks in and through other men and women of God? Abraham, he obviously had the space and place and time where he was before the Lord to hear from Yahweh. To hear him go, Abraham, I'm calling you. Abraham, I want to move you. I want to bless you. I want you to be the father of my nation. Abraham's model of faith was a model of obedience. Second, as we go quickly here, is that Abraham's faith was a model of a faithful sojourner. And so, yeah, Abraham, he didn't know the exact place he was going, but look at it in verse verse 9. It says, by faith, he went to live in the land of promise. So now God has revealed he's going to that land of promise. As in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, his sons, heirs with him of the same promise. Wait a minute. So God, you called me to leave my homeland. You called me to leave my family. You called me out into this land of, <laughs> full of promise. And I'm living there. As a foreigner, as an alien, as a, as a sojourner, I'm living in tents, meaning essentially that they could pack it up and move it on and move around, right? Like, where's the stability in that, God? You called me to this land. I stepped out in faith. I left everything, and here I am going to this land of promise, and I'm a sojourner. I'm living in a tent with my sons. Acts chapter 7, verse 5. This is very interesting, right? Our New Testament. Look at what it says. Yet he gave him, God gave Abraham, it's talking about Abraham, no inheritance in it, meaning the land, not even a foot's length, but promised to give it to him as a possession and to his offspring after him, though he had no child. So get this, he gets to the land, he gets to that place that God has promised for him, right? And he has no possession of it. He has no inheritance, not even a foot's length, Acts 7 says. 
Um, would that mess with you? Right. God, I've obeyed you. God, I listened to your voice. God, maybe it caused you to question, God, did I hear you correctly? Um, I want to ask this question. I like asking questions to you. Um, are you, are we okay when God violates our expectations? Right, when things don't work out the way we think they do, when we're living by faith. Like, this is for you, Christian. When God violates your perceived or hoped for outcome in this life. You see, the reason many people even miss Jesus is for this reason. Right, as we come into to Holy Week and Palm Sunday, Oh, the crowds had an expectation for what they wanted from Jesus, didn't they? Political power, right? They wanted to overthrow the government. They wanted him to make earthly, the, the, the wrong things right. But Jesus had a far bigger and higher plan, didn't he? Jesus had something that he was overthrowing that no one else could overthrow, the power of death, hell, the grave, and sin. But what did those fallen or violated expectations cause people to do? The same people shouting, right, early in the week, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Those violated expectations later in the week would lead them to what? Good Friday shouting, crucify him. Crucify him. How do you handle missed expectations by God in your life? You see, here's what faith does. What it did in the life of Abraham. Lord, I trust you. Lord, I trust that you're good and you do good in spite of us setting up a tent and moving, in spite of us being sojourners and aliens in this land that you promised. Listen, the land that Abraham and his family moved to was a pagan land. His standards and his family standards were completely different. Abraham's standards were rooted in the character and nature of God while everyone else's around him, all of their standards and their beliefs came from God. They were polytheistic, many gods that they created. Listen, as the people of God, as people of faith in God through Christ Jesus, our faith will cause us to have a clear contrast. We will always be, sorry to burst your bubble, we will always be aliens and sojourners in this land. Why? Because our faith is in the one true God, in his character and in his nature like Abraham had. And so listen, as the people of God, that contrast will not look like us shouting more. And I want to clarify this. It does not look like us being more polarizing or more unloving. What the contrast, what contrasts in our life, people who are full of the Holy Spirit with true convictions shaped by and in conformity to the word of God, here's what will flow. Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit. Let me tell you what doesn't stand in stark contrast to our world. More polarization, more shouting, more yelling, more winning of an argument. Listen, that is not what our culture needs or desires from people of faith in Jesus Christ. What it desires is people who understand and who live as if this is not their home. This does not mean 
that we separate from culture. That's not what Abraham did. Read, read Genesis. In fact, Abraham was very deeply involved in the land God called him to. But there will always be a stark contrast. Is there a contrast between your life and the life of someone, a neighbor, a coworker who doesn't know Christ? And what's that contrast? It has nothing to do with politics has nothing to do with socioeconomics. What is that contrast? Is it truly that your life is lived as a life of faith, understanding that this is not our home? You see, Abraham lived like that. Abraham understood that. Hebrews 11 highlights that. Look at it next with me. Verse 10. For he was looking... like. Where is Abraham looking? Not, not, not to the earthly land. Not to the things that are visible. He was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. I love that. What's he talking about there? Well, he's talking there. We could use the, 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 the phrase, the new Jerusalem, right? Hebrews 12 will talk about that. Revelation talks about this new city that God builds. That is what Abraham is looking forward to, the city of God, right? He looks out and he goes, here's where I'm earthly. Here's what I'm dealing with here, but this is not my home. So his eyes go past what he earthly sees to what? Eternity his future home, the place that is actually home. And I love verse 10 because there are three parts to it, right? Well, there's really four parts to it. One, it declares that there's a city waiting for the people of God. And I love from Genesis, we go from a, a garden to a city. That's over and over. There's this cultivation, there's this growth, there's this beautification of it. But it says that the foundations design and build is all by God. And once again, to bring up the original language here, it, it really reads like this, that Abraham was looking for the city which had the foundations. Every city has foundations. Every life has foundations, right? Everything has foundations. There is no such thing as a foundationless you know, X, life, city, anything like that. However, when we talk about the foundations, we are talking about foundations that are built and constructed by God that are absolutely unshakable. Those are the kind of foundations that we want to anchor and secure our lives in. Yet, we all the time are trying to anchor on foundations like shifting sand, foundations that are fractured, foundations that are cracked, foundations that aren't meant to be built on, right? But what Abraham was looking for was a city. He was looking forward to a city that the foundations were established, a city that would not perish, a city that would not crumble, a city that would not give way. I mean, the Bible says this. Listen, nations rise, nations fall. Why? Because they're built on faulty foundations. But there's one city that will not. And that's the city that God constructs and he builds, right? He's the designer. I love these two words. He's the one who makes the plan. He's not the one who just makes the plan but he's also the builder, the one who actually does the work. So if ever you think or I think we can take credit for something, God goes, oh, no, 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 no. I'm the foundation, I'm the designer, and I'm doing the construction on it, right? Because our tendency is this, is even go, God, yeah, you laid a great foundation, but look at what we built on it. God's going, oh, no, I do all three. And that's good because he does it perfectly. 
You see, he, Abraham was faithful in the present because he was confident in what God would do in the future. Confident that city, that true city, capital C city, waited for him. You see, some of you really struggle because you are unsure if God will really keep his promises. You're unsure if what he's building is really better than what you could possibly construct with your hands. If he'll really be faithful to his word. You see, this earth is not our home. Praise God, right? All the fracturing and splintering, all the the residual effects of sin, the sickness, the disease. The Bible declares that we are sojourners. That tension that we feel in this land is that because we're not home yet, Like, I'm thankful that this is not as good as it gets, amen? If this is as good as it gets, right, 1 Corinthians 15, 32, eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow we die. But for us as Christians, us as people of faith, we look forward, we go, this isn't it. This isn't it. And that's what Abraham lived out, that there will be a day where there's no more alienation, right? There's no more tension. There's no more living in contrast, however, That city will be one of perfect harmony and perfect unity in the presence of God where there will be no more sojourning, where we're actually home. It is very dangerous territory for us when we begin to feel a sense of permanence here in this world. All right, verses 11 and 12. Now we get to Abraham and Sarah. It says, by faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. Most of you know this story. God promised to multiply the nations through Abraham's offspring, Abraham and Sarah's offspring, but they couldn't have children. Sarah was 90, and Abraham, we believe, was roughly around 99 years old. Right, you'd probably start losing faith at those ages, right? Like there were two impossibilities here. The impossibility at 90 and 99 to get pregnant. But that's not what I call the real impossibility. The real impossibility in this circumstance is God to go against his word. The impossibility is that God would not fulfill his promises. Abraham and Sarah were confident, not in the impossibility of their physical nature, right? What they could see or what they could sense in their physical nature as those years escalated up and up. What they were more confident in was the impossibility that God was going to fail. They were confident and sure that God was going to fulfill exactly what he said, however. And he chose to use a 90-year-old and a 99-year-old man. And I love what Hebrews 11 says here. It says that, that she, Sarah, re- received the power to conceive. Like this wasn't like, they just got lucky. This was like, no, the Holy Spirit, God designed this purposefully and she received the power to conceive. So if I can just make even, this isn't really a tangent, but like every life, every human life, is purposeful and designed by God. 
This isn't just in Hebrews 11 where it's just the power to conceive and then every other child in humanity is not God's power, right? Every human life is the power of God on display, his character, his nature. They're image bearers for his glory. And we see them here, Sarah and Abraham, trusting in the Lord in in the face of an impossible situation. Do you trust the Lord? Like the message of faith, listen to me, that seems like a simple or trite statement, but do you trust him? All of these stories time and time again are stories to illuminate the fact that men and women trusted God's word above their expectations, above their perceived preferences, above above everything. This is Jesus going, Father, not my will, but yours. Father, I trust you above everything else because you're good and you do good. That's faith. And so this morning, and I'm going to pick up the rest of the text uh, in, in a couple weeks, but I want us to end here um, because I want us by faith to receive these elements of communion. That as we approach these tables, this walk is a walk of faith. You're going to come down here and you're going to get juice and you're going to get bread. In Jesus, he instructed us when we do this, that every time we do this, we do this in remembrance of him. This is an action and activity that focuses our mind future. That there will be a day, listen to me, there will be a day for you as a Christ follower where remembering is no more. Where the body and blood of Jesus to remember what he has done will be full and complete. You know when that day is? When we get home. When we're in that city that has foundations that don't fail, that have been built and designed by God. But until that day, listen to me, as Ephesians says, as Philippians says, we live as faithful sojourners here. People who trust the Lord because of Christ, who trust that his plans are good and perfect and right. People who obey him, right? Without qualifications, right? Without going, Lord, if you would just do this or do this, no, Lord, I trust you above all else. I'll obey you. And so our hosts and ushers, you guys can get ready and dismiss the rows. We're gonna take these elements. And this is the only thing we do here at the Parks Church that's closed. And what I mean by that is um, communion is reserved for those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Who've said, Christ, you're the one who forgives my sin. You're you're the one who redeems me. You're the one who I I trust in holy. And so listen, maybe you're not there. Maybe, Maybe you haven't done that. Listen, as Sam has already said, even in our, 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 our worship, today is the day of salvation. I pray that you would put your faith and trust in Christ. You'd say, Lord, I, I need you to save me and redeem. I've tried, I've tried everything. I've, try, I've tried to save myself. I've been on the religious treadmill, and I'm nothing but exhausted and frustrated. And this morning, the gift of grace is being extended to you in Christ. Faith is a gift, a gift that God gives in Jesus. He's extending that gift to you today. Now, Father, we worship you. God, we thank you for sending your son to die for us so that we might have life. And God, that life is not just to be lived here only, God, but it is one that will be forever in future with him. God, worshiping at your throne, crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And so, Lord, I pray that you would lift our eyes this morning. You lift our eyes, as Colossians tells us, off of earthly things, Lord, and fix our eyes upon you. 
Lord God, you are the perfecter of our faith. And so, Lord, I thank you for that gift. Now give us an increased measure of that to obey you this week, to hear your voice, to read your words in scripture, to listen in gospel community and obey the voice of the Holy Spirit. And so we love you. And I pray that we would go from here faithfully until we meet again. Jesus, this is all about you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.